I would like to personally express my thanks and Akar Satoiv to the Stachina Rebbe Reblezi Yudkovsky Shlita who took time out of his extremely hectic schedule to address the TP crisis group. The Rebbe Shlita requested that the following material should not be forwarded. This is intended only for a specific audience and not for anyone else. Everyone kind of ends up with the same question. Should I buy it? But then I'm accepting it and it's never going to end. I have to throw the kid out to tell him no, give consequences, support it, not support And it's the same real question when kids doing drugs, you know, down the road. What do I do? The kid has a, a girlfriend or the worst possible things. The same, same question always in different ways comes out. If the Rebbe can just explain the Mahalach. There's a guy in Flatbush. He has this approach called twisted turn. I heard he's nicht eisgehalten. Glad that I taught him, yeah. So, so the side of the question is found in Aloha. Or not so much the question, but the side of what we're trying to balance that allows these questions to come up, okay? One of the Yisoyedes of Yiddishkeit to Shemitah Shabbos, Kibbe Shabbos. Bukh Hashem, in our communities, most of them, there's an organization called Hatsula. Hatsula very actively, very overtly, very pronouncedly, um, is Mechal Shabbos with Fahesya. Whether it's running, jumping into cars, whether it's driving ambulances with the Pais flying, with the Talaisim, whatever it is, Mechal Shabbos with Fahesya. We know that the that's not the Yisoy, because the Torah Doisha clearly tells us that if it's Chasushul and Bekich Neivish, Bekich Neivish is Doich Shabbos. I know some of the old timers, and there was a personal struggle that they had in the Sant. They struggled over the end of the day getting into a car and driving a car or driving a bus and being seen before Regardless of the fact it's clearly halachically mandated, so to speak, right? To do what you're doing, there's no shallow that you have to go through. But you're doing it, so to speak, with Hesia. And, and there are many people that, again, it wasn't a logical question. It was an emotional experience. At the end of the day, I'm doing something emotionally that's very troublesome. I'm from the first Hevra that are going and, and driving a car in a Yiddish gegen as a Frimigid on Shabbos and, and, and no one's going to chas and be affected by Yitzhak negatively it's Mephahesia and it was pillar pillar to hear how they struggled emotionally to do what they knew unquestionably was right but they struggled so I'm starting off seemingly from the other perspective with the questions because most often the struggle of the questions are is this something that's, that's allowed to do? Okay. I'm just going for a minute to the opposite side because sometimes sometimes we need to understand. Yeah, sometimes with the question is not even really a question. It's clear that it has to be done. The Hachila Trifus is another example of halachically at times, okay, that's the Chiv. To take the Machel Trifus is a Chiv. Avada, it's, 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 you have to know exactly where and when. But at the same time, as a frimiyid who grows up very much black and white with, with Zachin, the Torah is telling me now to go step on the other side of the table and mamas do the opposite. I can't. I can't. I'm conditioned 
This is repulsive, this is wrong, this is not shaykh. But hours of, of being zoicha, to have discussions with Gedoylev about this subject and hearing the, the complications of the different contradictory facets and trying to bring them together. So first understanding the existence of the contradictions, of the emotional pull and the logical pull, and it's, it's, it's pulling these things together that are seemingly contradictory is, is, is beyond difficult. When you look at a perfectly polished diamond, okay, you don't begin to understand the hours and hours and hours of work that went in to make it so perfect. Because it's just, it's, it's perfect, it's beautiful. In the course of these hours of discussions, I found myself being a spool from the way they understood, but at the same time, they had that inner peace and tranquility of having found the coexistence of Stetus. The Torah tells me that right now, I should be Mechal Shabbos, I'm Mechal Shabbos, there's no qualms. That's a level of godless, and that's why I started with the first thing with the Zatzul They were El Chiyid. And that's the norm, and that's the way each and every regular one of us should be. We should, we, we should be troubled. We should be lost. We should not be comfortable. That's a sign that we are in touch with who we really are. We, we can't spin on dimes. We can't go in opposite directions at the same time. The G'daylum were able to, to reach that level of a total connection to what the Torah says. So do this now, do this now. We're not that. So of course we're going to struggle. Because we're trying to keep as we're supposed to. We're trying to keep what's basically black and white. What's right versus wrong. And the second we get too comfortable and it's okay and it's fine to make exceptions. That's not what's going on inside of us. It's not becoming godless personified. It's becoming gray. It's becoming watered down. There's a loss of sensitivity. So before I answer the questions directly, I think because that's not really what's driving all these questions and what drives at every point is more questions. What's driving it, and that's I hope that I'm defining it and helping it. The fact that we're still struggling, we're feeling submissed and lost. And that's something, something that we're trying to get pissed at. And I would like to suggest for those of us that are not G'daylum, unless unless some of you are, I'm not. As long as that's what I was taught, as, as long as I know I'm still uncomfortable and I'm still struggling and it doesn't feel right, I'm safe and I'm okay. The second that it becomes so clear, it's pushing. Now you do this, now you do this, this kid wants, then you've become desensitized. And that whatever you're doing, even if it's oiskahalten, is not going to work because it's, it's coming from the wrong place, not the right place. And I'll venture to give a mushal that's a little bit. Different on a parallel, but be aside the same. This comes up very often. Many different areas of the malacha that we do. There's a famous medrash. Arna Koyin was Oyev Shulam of Shulam. What did Arna Koyin do in the pursuit of peace, of creating peace and harmony between people? Berudam Lachavayda Benish Lisha. 
He was an outstanding student of Zayda Luvan, to put it uh, quite destructively blunt. He was a snake oil salesman. Okay? He sold you to Brooklyn Bridge ten times and he came back for the fifteenth time. And maybe you still have another bridge. That's what he did. This understanding is mentioned in the Kemis Kikun, Bashemto Valatoiris, and the Tsvaklein of Bendlach, Pashas Meshputim, and the Pusik with Rashekatircha. The Pusik says straight out, lying is also, you're not allowed to lie. It's black and white. How could one possibly understand what Anna Koyin did? He lied. He used to lie consistently in the pursuit of Shulam. The Torah says he's not allowed to. And seemingly, there's no Pusik anywhere that teaches in the vested interest of making Shulam, there's an exception. Is the Torah mandated exception. It's not designed for goodwill, for care, for law, for peace. There's nothing. The Torah says to do it. Where does the Torah seem to allow that you're allowed to be Meshaka in order to create Shulam? doesn't seem to be anywhere. Another question, seemingly very practical one, he says that we know many people have tried uh, emulating this approach, maybe very well-intentioned, but the uh, outcome is disastrous because they get caught in the lies and everything blows up even ten times worse than it was before. So that's the practical question. That's the question that spoke to me. How did he pull it off? How did he become such a master lawyer, manipulated, that he mamish had people convinced that everything he was saying? I met Shimon yesterday. He was, well, she was crying. He was so upset. He can't believe that he screamed at you, but he was a fire. The guy should die. I said, I had a baseball bat too. Nobody so shit. And slowly, slowly, he recreated feelings and emotions from negative to zero to positive and recreated Shulam. How did he do it? Dr. Bashem When the Torah says that something is Usa, something is not allowed, this is the manual for the Kala Havdo. You're going to put sugar into the tank, you're going to blow your engine. It's going to destroy. Sheker, Dr. Bashem is a Sam Hamoves. It's a dangerous poison that kills, destroys every lava in the Torah. It's practical, it's, it's a killer. But there are certain machlas that the Abishta creates. That the only fear for this maka is a specific sam hamoves. The only way to heal certain types of specific machlas is with a definitive sam hamoves, and nothing else can heal the machla but that specific sam hamoves. Shaker is Uzer, it's a Samamovis. It's an horrific, destructive me, the character trait. Aaron Akoin was a Mimcha. He was a bookie in the science of dangerous poisons when necessary for a type of machloika, a specific machloika that was not fixable or healable with any other method. He didn't only apply Shaker, he was a Mimcha. And at times he understood that there was a certain machloik, an instant, that required specifically and only the Sam Hamovas of Sheker. 
When you're touching poison to heal, you better be a mimchanoir because if not, you're definitely going to kill. He was a mimchanoir. Lazy Yitkovsky's ha'ud on that is the poison label and warning seems to be missing from Chazal. It doesn't seem to come with a warning label that Anakoyin, you shake them on a shulam, but it's a poison. The answer probably is this because that's what Rashekatechak means. The Torah did not allow an exception. The Torah Doisha did not say that there's an exception that's granted on an oifen kluli. Because normal people that will avail themselves to Yushayka Laman Ashulam, if the Torah would have said it, it wouldn't work. It's not like the Bikiach Nefesh that's Doicha Shabbos. Bikiach Nefesh, the Doicha Shabbos, seemingly is a lesson that the Torah Doisha wants each and every person to understand. That in your Shemitah Shabbos, there has to be an occasion that you're going to set it aside to save somebody's life. That's something that's constructive to our Shemitah Shabbos. But the issue of making an exception for a poison is something that cannot be granted unilaterally. And as we do know, there are Yechidim that somehow are, are, are caught and taught into using poisons to heal. It's a rare exception for a rare individual, a necessity. And if you want to know what defines those individuals, hopefully is, that every time they're using a poison, that's sittering, because no matter how much expertise you have, when you're touching a poison, you're sittering. The second you stop sittering, you're playing death, not life and death, not God. You're playing death because you're touching poisons. This is my suggestion for these dilemmas. We're forced to think of poisons. We're forced to think of exceptions that aren't granted and shouldn't be granted. That's what we're talking about. So every question, every step of the way, is another tzitarai. It's another tremble. It's another quake. Is it really for sure that I have to go the next step and make the next exception? There's no way I believe that it would be right to say that we could create a path and just walk it with ease. Chas in the second that starts happening, we know that we're wrong. We've lost it. We're not within the bounds of the Torah anymore. And that was the fear that some of the Chavah felt with driving cars as Atzula members on Shabbos. And that was the fear that some people years ago, say it straight, attacked some of us that ventured in to this horribly dangerous, murky world of trying to save Neshumas that were never so, 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 never seclapped and semished. And most of us, I can't say all of us, most of us that I know, we try to do it right. We try to do it with Hadrucha. We trembled. And it's very easy to come along and point a finger at a guy driving a car on Shabbos with his red light and his siren going and say, Shabbos, Shabbos. And it's even understandable. 
It's understandable that there could be somebody that you could watch this going on and tremble of my cigaretto. You're taking down my level of, of Shemitah Shabbos because I have to witness the Frimah Yidig Mechal Shabbos even for the right reason. It's, 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 it's shaking up my, my Shemitah Shabbos. Yana has the right to scream also. And we have a chiv to tremble. And we have a chiv to be uncomfortable. And that's what makes this historian so hard. It's not just the Pshavis, there's a new language that we have to learn. There's a new mythology, there's a new hadrucha. No. We have to still be who we are, black and white, and Yiddishkeit has to be black and white. And everything has to stay like that. And we have to sit there that we're forced, unfortunately, right now, another step, another thing, there's another exception that has to be deemed and determined, and hopefully it's Oiskahalt, and it's right. That would sit there. Yeah. Because the second we stop sittering is the second chasashulam will be destroyed. We've opened up Yiddishkeit to be reinterpreted at will to whoever, whatever you want it to be. That chasashulam is also. He was on very heavy drugs. He was almost not alive. And the day that I told that when I went, he went to rehab, and when I went to his graduation, he told me the best day that when he started healing and when he realized that I really love him and that he wants to live was the day that I told him take off your chapel you'll wear it if and when you're ever ready and then I learned from Avi and that's the day that he felt that I loved him no matter what what you just said so to speak Avi taught you I'll tell you where my McCarr for that that you so simply just threw out I had a massive years ago in a book I was dealing with. They were still living at home. He was living up in the attic. His trauma was nothing to do with the family dynamics. It was not a dysfunctional setting, somewhat loving warm. Just he had a yeshiva. And they were usually understanding in a very, I don't say the word superficial, but not, in other words, they understood that they just had to leave him. They never had a program to join. We're talking about 25 years ago. And it evolved in a very as we see in this room, relative to the situation, a very healthy way. Without hadrucha of any sort, seemingly the father was a toilet of a yashus It was understood that he could stay up in his room and do whatever he does, as long as he doesn't do anything overtly to interfere with the Yiddishkeit of the family. He was away during the week, so he came home late at night, I think it was Shabbos, he was home more or less, and he wasn't uh, social, very socially anything. And, and uh, you know, but he had gained a lot of weight. He was very depressed. And uh, at some point, somebody introduced. We got introduced, and Baruch got a job. But he was, he went for therapy. He was doing a lot better. And he comes to me one day. He says, Rabbi, I have a question. My therapist, said, I should ask you. The therapist was not from, but a, a serious therapist who understood that the religious values have to be integrated in recovery, not denied, because that doesn't help. It destroys. The therapist said, I should ask you a question. What's the question? The only thing that I still do, okay, when I'm home, you know, besides respecting them, but that I do is, I wear a yarmulke. And I wear it, right, because, you know, I don't want to disrupt everything else. You know, I guess I don't do chil shabbos in front of anybody, but like I wear the yarmulke when I'm home, not when I'm out of the house. The therapist feels at this point, for my recovery, I really should be moving out on my own. You know, because well, I'm getting better, so confidence and all these things. But the fact is that I know that if I move out... Gone. No more yarmulke. You hear what this kid is asking? Why a lot of leave? 
Am I allowed to leave? Because if I leave, I know that I'm going to take off the yarmulke and it's all gone. Or should I rather stay? Talk about Mikam Chalisro. That's not the stuff they're going to publish in the Yatet. It's a Shver Shiloh. It's not the parents that are asking. The kid himself is asking. Am I allowed to leave knowing if I leave then the yarmulke comes off and it's all gone? At least there's something still left. I went to Rabdavid Feinstein. That's all I wanted to tell you. I went to Rabdavid. I asked Rabdavid Shiloh. Rabdavid said those words. He says, as long as he's home, he's only wearing the yarmulke because he's home. He's never going to find his own yarmulke until he leaves and takes it off and then finds it. When we're talking about the derech over here, we should know the makhuris. These are the And His whole pain expressed itself in destructive verbalization and destructive behavior. This became his mantra. Destructive is where it's clearly destructive, like this, or drug use. Over here was something else. He wasn't self-destroying. His destructive behavior was kill the Jews, kill this, get a guy to this. Okay. You took that destruction away. You know why? Because once you reached out to the Goyeta, he's not destroying a Yid by hanging out with the Goyeta because the Yid is now friendly with the Goyeta. You took the destruction away. Can you explain that again? Your self-destructive behavior. Normally self-destructive behavior means with somebody who's never in such pain, they destroy themselves. The more common destructive behavior that used to be before it became self-destructive was you destroyed somebody else. You were in pain, you were angry, you were upset, you found somebody who to, to kill, who to break. 
Okay. We would like to think that Eden would more program to be self-destructive than to hurt somebody else when they're hurting. An It goes crazy different ways for a number of different reasons. So this child, for some reason, instead of becoming self-destructive when he was in pain, was acting out, was talking out, kill all the Jews, I'm going to go get a doy. It was driven okay, by pain and, and anger to be destructive. So the destructive was, is I'm hanging out with a guy to, oh, I'm going to destroy. Once she embraced it, it wasn't destructive anymore. She ripped the carpet out from underneath him. But because it was his mother, and because she did it with love, you know what happened? And this was the miracle that nobody could explain on Piteva. They could try to. Instead of finding a different avenue of destructiveness, which usually that's what it is, because when one drug starts working, you look for a different drug, right? Somehow, and this you're doing it with a genuine... They wish to made a mess. He lost the need for destructiveness. Nice. Caved. He come with him to all his social... He wants me to come to the bars with him. He wants me to come to chill with him Thursday night. Friday night, he had a bunch of friends with him downstairs watching the big television. He said, Mom, come chill with us Friday night. I didn't have that before. Before, we, we weren't, we weren't uh, on the same page at all. Because you connected with his pain, you finally were able to let him feel. The only thing that's metziistic right now is the connection with his pain. That's the Chilul Shabbos for the Kuyich Nefesh. The level of pain, and that's why you need the Shilas, because it's not so simple thing is, the level of pain is a level of the Kuyich Nefesh, and what you're doing, so to speak, is Chilul Shabbos for the Kuyich Nefesh. That doesn't break Shabbos, that somehow enhances Shmir Shabbos. This is what I was taught, what defines the difference between the two seemingly steers. Here the Torah teaches us to be mechalal, and by other ways the Torah does not give us the allowance of any other exception. I told I was trying to call him, that I have this guy to my house, should I throw her out? I was sure he was going to say yes, and he says, no, I don't have a choice, I have to keep her. I guess you were lucky that you had a relative that understands, because many of them don't. Baruch Hashem, Shalom Hashem. Just another thing that comes to mind in hearing the story about child number two. You ever heard the expression, lightning doesn't strike twice? <laughs> really? Well, whoever says it to you is a well-intentioned ignoramus. You know why? There's nothing scientific to back up that statement. It's something that people invent, as many of us do, ourselves included, to give us a sense of safety after the storm, after the disaster. Lightning strikes is too scary. Right? But it does happen. So we need to have a fallback position of security. So at least if it strikes once, it doesn't strike twice. <sighs> now I'm safe. Tippish, idiot. Okay. What does Yiddish Kaiba want us to try to do? To wake up. I realize at the end of the day, lightning can strike once, twice, three times. And if the Abish do wants, it will. And if you find the ability to really connect to the Eivishta, that's the only security that you have. Likely you will never strike, not once, and not twice, and not three times, and eight times, unless the Eivishta wants it to. But the Eivishta does, it will. My son invites me to watch TV with him. And some of the, recently, some of the shows are very apocalyptic. If you listen to the half hour of someone dashing apocalypses and comedians making fun of of everything is very uncomfortable and it, 
I'm still like, it doesn't feel right. I, I watch everything, no problem watching the games, I'm watching the movie, I'm watching everything you can. When it comes to outright of the curses, and then he wants to know, are you watching because you just want to keep me company or are you enjoying it? <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm watching because I'm doing things with you. Whatever you do. Very, that was a very good answer. Let's separate the two questions for a minute. And the second question you already answered. That answer that you gave him is the truth. Supposed to be. That's what's the law for the kids. You're telling him the truth. The second question that you asked when he asks you why you're watching, you told the truth. I'm doing this. My enjoyment is not directly this activity itself. I'm doing this because it means something to you and that's what's important to me. Okay, that Be'etzim is the sort of emphasis not only in these situations, in every relationship. How do you build relationships? How do you show a hava? When you show the person, I do something that you like, that I do not necessarily like, but I'm liking it because I know you like it. That's how you make a relationship. That's the Hakruva, I mean, Absanti is the word Hakruva, but that's, the, that's a relationship. So that's the second question. Let's go to the first question of Hakruvah. Again, I can I, I give it a, 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 a I can't apply it every single case in every shalom or community. The first question that would be asked, so so yes, does do you need me to watch these shows with you specifically? In other words, you want me to watch with you. Okay? If I tell you that I'm a little bit uncomfortable with something, do you need the badaf to watch this anyway, or do you appreciate that I'm watching with you and could switch to something else? Again, I'm not saying you should actually ask him, I'm just explaining something. And very often the answer will be, no, no, I, I want to watch this show. Okay, so what the answer means is, no, I want to watch something apicosistic and something that's making you uncomfortable because I'm testing to see, right, how much you, you're going to extend yourself for me. That's possible. Probable. That's, possible. that's number that's one. Possible. Right, right, right. That's usually so what happens. I transfer music, the screen facing the door, let the door open. And then he told me after I... Was amazed and danced with him to the side trance. He's like, I really, I put the screen facing to it. I want to see how you react. The testing, the testing, what are the testing? The testing to see how much you really feel their pain and how much it's such a primary to you that everything else is secondary. And the Derek Cloud, what we learned, and this is the Hadrucha that we have in these situations. If it's a level of the Kiyach Nefesh, which most of these kids are, that's called Daicha. So the, the more we show them that we relate to the pain, first, second, third, fourth, fifth, that's the key to, to their fear, so they could slowly, slowly stabilize and start letting themselves heal and mend and come back. Physically, emotionally, and That's really the key of what we're doing. Okay, it's it's refer. It is refer because I spoke to him today. We had a conversation about it, and we put on side chance that you come and feel what he feels when he listens to this music and watches the. So ask him, what do you feel when you watch this? He says, while I watch it, my brain is so occupied. There's no place for negative thoughts. The negative means pain. Yeah, this I thing. can't think. I don't have to think while I'm watching something. I don't have to think right. negative. That's what makes this music so dangerous. It's for a normal person to put himself into a place where his brain is like disconnected. A chmunu of slot, right? That's sick. Okay, and it becomes a whole culture. A chmunu of slot. Okay, but for these kids in pain, okay, it's like a drug without the drug. So I'm not saying there's no addictive to it, but that's what it's doing. It's numbing the senses of pain. One day, he said, "One of the best vacation tests." You probably save $10,000 on therapy, he tells me, four days of side trance. What he's telling you is this, do you hear what level of pain I'm in? 
I'm in a level of pain that would need $10,000 therapy. That's what he said. He didn't realize what popped out. And he's not an idiot. In other words, I really need like a $10,000 therapy program. He was just moida without realizing what he did. Because he said it was like kalachiyadeh, which kids do. They, they say things are other. So I just had like that four day $10,000 ki'ilu. That's how it pain them. That, that's the ik of what he said. The context sidetracks the code. Watching Apicusus with him is, is another thing I just wanted to share going back to what you started with. What's sarcasm? When people are sarcastic, be assertive. What is sarcasm? Psychologically speaking. What's sarcasm? When people are being sarcastic, right? They're putting people down. What are they, what are they really doing? Unless they're sick. When somebody, let's add the Matthias, what we're talking about over here. When somebody is in a very pain place and they're being sarcastic, what are they doing? They're letting out the pain. Now, sometimes people have the ability to be sarcastic themselves. But sometimes they're playing off somebody else being sarcastic. So listening to somebody else being sarcastic, listening to somebody knocking Yiddishkeit with their pain to Eitzim primarily that's been wrong for a long time is against Yiddishkeit. Because Yiddishkeit's supposed to be good. Yiddishkeit's supposed to be warm. Yiddishkeit's supposed to be right. And I got hurt from Yiddishkeit and by Yiddishkeit's upset. So when somebody else comes along, so to speak, and takes the punch from me, right, he's punching the guy, and I'm really, you know what? It's pain relief. It's pain relief. It's wrong. But it's pain relief. And you're sitting there with him while he's in therapy. While he's getting his pain relief. And you're sitting there, and him letting you sit there, because he knows your friend, he knows that you don't really subscribe to this. You're showing him that the child is not understanding that you need to take a punch at Yiddishkeit because you're hurt by Yiddishkeit. That's not cool he's saying this is right. The guy there that's making fun of Yiddishkeit is right, and I'm really wrong, I'm out of Michigan. That's not what he's saying. Again, that's the cloud with the Hadrukhas and these things. Obviously, it's in case, hopefully, you know. We do a lot of things that are in between, but this sounds like very wrong to sit half an hour and listen to being bad. So I think what I started with is the answer. The answer is sit there and sit there and be uncomfortable, and that's what you're supposed to do. The second you start becoming okay, the fun. That's, that's what I'm saying. That, that's, that's the Gehenna of this, the situation. You're sitting there, being uncomfortable, you're having to hide the discomfort. The bigger the sign is, you have to hide the fact 99% that you're uncomfortable because he needs to feel that you're comfortable with him. But there's, a, there's, enough, there's enough place inside us because we're, we're messed up enough that we could be uncomfortable and comfortable at the same time. And if not, you're going to get there. It's a shame. The discussions that I had with my members in the to these situations were, is, again, on the there's a concept of, of mazikin. Okay, it has a causing damage. And one of the four, I'm sorry, this is called Aish. You send the fire, you light a fire. And Halach is brought down Mishnah. If somebody sends fire, be at Cher Shaita the cotton. If you take a fire, you light it, you put it in the hands of a Shaita the cotton, and you let them just run loose with it. And they start fires all over the place. Who's Chayu for the fires of these, you know, unknowledgeable Shlita messengers? Obviously, who's the one that sends them? These people are Cher Shaita the cotton. The fires that they start and they cause, in a certain sense, they're anonymous. That's one truth that's absolute. If any one of those individuals would ask a Shiloh, I'm going to Chasa tonight, there's somebody coming, a Jewish girl with a Galatia boyfriend. And I know her a little bit, whatever, or it's going to be a public place. Am I allowed to ignore her or do I have to go over and be nice to her? What would the answer be? Unquestionably. You have to go over to her. No Shiloh. So what I said, she was told she has to take her, her son had a goyish girlfriend at the time, she had to take her in. 
So the issue of the boyfriend as an individual, just her own little messed up place. Somebody's asking why. Why? Okay. The cloud godel with these people that are coming to make public statements. And again, I can't say there are no exceptions, but the cloud and the roif is, okay, and I will venture to say the cheskes kashris, believe it or not, because there still is a cheskes kashris. When they're coming to do it in public, they're coming to make a statement to say, I am an apikoiris. And when somebody is making it a public statement in a public Yiddish form saying, I am an apikoiris, you know that that's not the truth. It's a cry for help. It's a cry for attention. And going over and being nice to them is exactly like that mother did with being the car of that Goyesha girlfriend. It diffuses the pain that's driving them to do something so stupid. So people say that, but if I'm going to support them, why would they ever stop? They think that, oh, look, I can have a Goyesha girlfriend or a Goyesha boyfriend, and I'm also accepted by the community. Yeah, so once again, why should they ever so do again, So once again, there's a question that's based on logic, and there's an answer based on, on Kabbalah from, from Bidoli. The Kabbalah is specifically... Enough of I can't say that a mold is enough of a question that could be asked because there could be, you know, a variable that thing. But the roiv okay, is that when they're doing it, when they're coming to a Yiddish simcha with the boyfriend, so to speak, they're coming to make a public statement. We're not talking about somebody who comes who has a boyfriend hidden, because then somebody really have a shy little nose because at least they have enough respect. I see the goal with him. But when they're coming, is is it lemaisa to say that in the same calm, lucid place. They're coming to say, listen, I want to show you people this is the alternative to Yiddishkeit, and by going over and saying, hi, you're saying to them, yes, yes, there's an alternative to Yiddishkeit, it's fine. Is that what's going on? Absolutely not. Nothing, nothing close to that at all. Again, they're testing. They're testing, and the reason they're testing is because they're in pain. And the testing is ludicrous and stupid and twisted. Okay? And what we're being taught is, okay, to be untwisted, twisted. By going over to them and saying, the thing is, we're untwisting the twistedness. I mean, not that they're going to untwist in a second. But we're not buying into the face value of what they're doing, because it's not. So they don't feel that, oh, now I could just stay on this way. And they, they don't feel supported. They know that you're These accepting. These are the shyness that started years ago that I'm sure everybody had at some point. If you catch your child not wearing tefillin, and you know that the child knows that you know. Now, there's Kohlsman, you could do it in a way that the child doesn't know you know. That's what you're supposed to do. But at some point, an accident happens, and now the child knows that you know you didn't want tefillin. You're caught, right? So if I don't say anything to him, that means I'm telling him it's okay not to wear tefillin. That's the logic 100%. What's the Kabbalah? I mean, I use the word Kabbalah because to me, Kabbalah means anti-logic. The Kabbalah is no. If you don't say anything to him, he will not for a second think that you're telling him it's okay not to put on tefillin. He knows who you are. He knows what values are. He may not know why you're not. He may not figure it out. And maybe with time he will. He's telling you that right now, I understand if you're not doing it, right, Beseda, it's you're messed up. I'm not going to get into the whole mess up. I'm going to try to hit The bottom line is, I'm not judging you because you're not doing this thing. Good. So I'd rather keep it as a Kabbalah, because when you start getting into the explanation, then you can get sidetracked, because sometimes this word, this is the Kabbalah, and the Kabbalah is pretty much unilateral. Okay, there could technically be an exception on all, that's the Koyach of a Kabbalah, that's the Koyach Hazaka of Rav. This is what we're taught to do, to say that. So what's our, what's our role as parents, as far as Chenech is concerned? 
on, on a child who is who's already a god. So, kips, stop being kips at a certain age? That's, no. Is that the question? Well, it, no, no, I'm not trying to catch you. I'm, no, saying, no, 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 I'm, I'm answering saying, you. Kips, like, for example, my son at around 17. But before that, he was a regular child like everything. And when he missed chakras, I was down his throat. And together with the rest of my children. It's not, you know, with some of them. One is, he sits and learns, uh, you know, 20 hours a day. So what you're saying is very, very key in terms of Yashras. What you're saying is, until he started showing his signs that something was different about him, you were treating him the same as you treated all your other kids, right? That's an absolute peseda. Well, for better or for worse, did you treat him the same way you were treating your other kids? He wasn't an only child, right? Same. Okay. There's something that we need to okay, appreciate with that. The point is, for better or for worse, whether your mahalach was overall right or wrong, but there was a yashris of the al yashana. You were treating him as you were treating all your other kids. And there was no indications, yet for your untrained eye, to see that there was something potentially or already problematic. Right? Zayda? That's life. How many times the parents wake up and realize that the child, who just maybe had a little bit of fever for weeks, by the time they realize that something won't go to the doctor, they find out, oy vey, were they negligent? I understand there could be some guilt. The bottom line is we're only humans, and we do, as long as we're oiska halten. There's a moed of the Beis HaLevi. The Beis HaLevi says, the Lashon HaMedrash is, Oylo liyayim din, Oylo liyayim techacha. Woe is to us for the day of judgment, okay, and the day of techacha. Okay. And the Beis HaLevi questions, what's the repetition? What's, and what's the difference between the two? He says brilliantly. He says there's two introspections when we get upstairs. One is going to be din, meaning is this was the right road, and this was the road that we detoured into. That's din. We went off the road. Techacha is going to be after that. Okay, so let's assume you somehow misguidedly thought that this was the right road. Okay, but you stayed on this road? Or did you venture to go wherever you wanted? One day this road, one day this road, one day this road. Oh, that means there was no yashras. Yashras means even if the road is not correct, but I stayed on this road. Again, that's a key Kabbalah that we have. If you treated him the same as you treated all the children, even, so to speak, unilaterally, you were doing something maybe a little bit, you know, non-generationally correct, what's the difference? But it was oiska and it was across the board, more or less. And again, there were no indications, right, whether it was from the other children, that they're suffering from this mahalach and that they need a readjustment or whatever. And by the time things popped out, right, obviously I, I, I would venture to say it's probably not that all of a sudden, age 17, something happened even though it could be if there was a specific trauma. But otherwise, it means there were things that were cooking, but it was just being covered over and finally it popped out. You did what every human would do. You were who you were. You did as you did. Uniform, unilateral. That's, that, that's the most that we could do. Little Misa, after he's a, a gadol, is my role, as far as Yiddishkeit is concerned, to, to step aside, or is, does Chinuch continue? So that's why I asked you the first question that I right. asked. Is he still a kid? Yes. What does kid mean? Kid in pain. Good. But he's not a kid, he's a gobble. That's why I asked you the question. The point is, when somebody's in pain, okay, the, the word kid does a lot to help us visualize the context, okay? A is potter, we call mitzvahs. 
That means, in a sense, and the visualization that helps, because the word chayla doesn't do much for us, unless you see a body cast. So when we see a chayla, we think of the word kid, it helps us visualize. The point is, this is not a goggle. There's somebody who is maybe a goggle in years and, and thing, but he's incapacitated and limited, right, in terms of his active ability right now, as a kid. That's why kip is so helpful. So he's not a goggle. His level of pain, whatever it is, obviously means is that he's not able to function as a god. So the same way he can't function as a god with responsibilities and normalcy in life, he can't function as a functioning god in Yiddishkeit. He can't carry the package of Yiddishkeit right now. We're not giving him a pass. We're recognizing the fact that he's a chayla. And the Torah says a chayla is potter. Why? Because the chayla can't carry. He can't carry five pounds. He can't carry ten pounds. And more than that, the chiv right now for a chayla, as the individual and the people around him is, to do everything first and foremost to do what? To heal him. That's the only chiv right now. It's not an exemption. When somebody is sick, you have to do whatever it is and how much it is to heal him so he can be functioning. And until then, he's not. Gobble cotton has no relevance. He's a kid. Pikuch Nefesh is a specific level of deterioration of Choyli. How do we know when someone is Pikuch Nefesh? How do we know so, so that's, 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 that's a question. 100%. Like I said, and that's really what was instituted right with this Holohach, that there should be a row of sorts like Paskins, right? That the people that are availing themselves of this means is there's a level of Pikuch Nefesh. So in other words, the Torah says, the, Nefesh. the Torah doesn't say exactly, it's understood that you need a determination to know that this level of Choyli is Pikuch Nefesh. So that's what we're talking about. Is every pikuach nefesh defined by external symptoms? No. Ah, thank you. Right. See that? Good. Is every chayli nefesh defined by external symptoms that the guy's a lunatic? Oh, say that. That's the reason I stopped you. Is you're right. Sofik pikuach nefesh is also. What I'm trying to say is very often it's even not a sofik pikuach nefesh. The problem is because it's not visible. Right? We're not seeing it. So by medical things that are hidden, I'm there's a test that shows what's really hidden, even though it's not symptomatically thing, but the test shows, right? Okay? When we're talking about chayli hanefesh, there's no test, there's no scans. Okay? But there are symptoms, and that's really what a lot has been developed, that there are symptoms that could show that there's a level, not even of a sophic chayli nefesh, of kuch nefesh level, it's actually happening, and it's there, or it's developing. Like I said, I'm just giving the context to say that. And you're right, you don't need to cook nefesh after, even a sophist nefesh. Any of us parents having one such a child and watching other children, would that uh, give us the, so to speak, the certificate to, uh, to see if a child is, because school might say what's the size of a child. Who decides when a child is sick enough to be taken to a doctor? See that? And even a mother doesn't know everything, but the mother has his intuition, and mother and a father have the intuitions they just gave them, and that's the best that they can do. And when they have a sense, right, they don't know medicine, they don't know things. When you have a sense that your child is not well, you're not going to go to a doctor. Okay. For years, Chalil Nefesh was taken away from us. We were told it doesn't exist, there's no such thing, and da 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 Okay. Now that it's finally popped up, yeah, it becomes the Zelda Hagdur. The means is, for those of us, some of us know more, some of us know less. When we have a sense that there's something off and my child is hurting, 
Okay? We don't need permission to go to a doctor to find out if my child is not well. The one thing that we do need, though, is hopefully, like any other thing, we need to make sure that the doctor is going to make the right diagnosis, that he doesn't over-treat. Say that, good, but that's, that's not what we can know for sure. Our key is to go to a doctor, and hopefully a responsible doctor. Right? And the doctor's not going to say, it's a chest pain, I think that he's got a heart attack. Good. Right? But that's what we do. We follow our instincts as we're supposed to. Okay, the teaching is only one part. When, to try to teach somebody in a situation like this, it could be the greatest teacher, the most articulate teacher. Okay, that's not going to do anywhere close to enough. This is what does it more than anything else. Sitting in a room together with other people that are living the Tsar and grappling to find solutions. As we started the night before, the solution is a Gehenna in itself because the solution means you're putting yourself in a constant state of Gehenna of, 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 of trying to do things that you're uncomfortable with and staying uncomfortable. Okay, there's no teacher that could put you in a great place that you could master it. There's no teacher that put me into a diet. It's not happening. I'm using this sarcastically, jokingly, but as a real thing. The only way it's Shaykh is the Koyach of a Tzibur, Koyach of a Rabbim, just being together. Okay, we can take steps together, baby steps. We're not all in the exact same place on the map. But with all the teaching and all the guidance, the, the Maisa to be able to carry this pack with Tuk Tegloch, there's only Kushkaich. When you have the Chibur of others and the connection, Abish, they should give you all Koyach, Tzihata Lishmaya. The table to keep trying and doing. This is Avi Fishoff, and I can be reached at twistedparenting at AOL.com.